I want to tell you about the night that I killed Ted Morris. Tommy Piggy Jobe and his court-mandated appearance at Trigg County High School in Kentucky with these trembling words. I want to tell you about the night that I killed Ted Morris. It was at a local MAD meeting, Mothers Against Drink Driving, and there, standing at the back of the gymnasium, was Elizabeth Morris, Ted's grieving mother. When the grand jury reduced the charge of murder against Tommy to manslaughter, Elizabeth said, we were furious. This is when I became very resentful. Tommy was walking, talking and breathing, while my son, the innocent victim, was in a fresh grave. Tommy was given a 10-year sentence, five of those years suspended, the other five probated, which means that Tommy was able to walk free. His only stipulation was participation in MAD meetings. In time, Elizabeth would not only forgive Tommy, the young man who collided with her son while he was driving drunk, but she would unofficially adopt him as her son. Elizabeth's husband, Frank, a part-time preacher and delivery driver for UPS, eventually baptised Tommy with his very own hands. Years later, every day between 4 and 5pm, Tommy still calls his adopted parents. Tommy had no right to expect anything from them. But Ted's parents opened the door of their life to Tommy and in the process, everything changed. I just want you to sit with that for a moment, friends. Forgiving the murderer of your only son. How does that sit with you? You know, we hear these kinds of stories, stories of impossible and incredible forgiveness, and we wonder, how is it even possible? How could someone open the door of their life to another in such a profound and inexpressible way? We are wordless before stories like these. Wordless before the actions of those who do them. Wordless because stories like these push the boundaries of our language and our understanding. But James says, here's what faith looks like. Faith moves beyond words. See it with me, won't you? James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Friends, faith is a verb and a verb is a doing word. Faith is active. It's not passive, not limp, not lame. It's where orthodoxy meets orthopraxy, where our faith moves beyond the theoretical, when faith moves beyond the intellectual, when our faith moves beyond the verbal, stimulating ideas, comforting thoughts, complex quandaries, reassuring creeds, when our faith becomes more than words, practical, physical, and tangible in its application. This is the faith that God accepts, verse 27. Faith that is pure, undefiled, unsustained, unpolluted. Faith that pushes the boundaries of our language and understanding. Faith that moves beyond words and leaves other people speechless. We're in our teaching series together on James, a series we started last week called Wholehearted. And this little down-to-earth, no-nonsense New Testament epistle is for Christ followers living in exile. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus, chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a practical, practically it's a how-to guide on discipleship. James doesn't pull any punches. And friends, James doesn't miss. 
If you weren't here with us last week, we considered the importance of steadfastness, the need for perseverance, faithfulness and commitment, the need for us to keep on showing up. God uses our hard times to grow us up. Steadfastness is the key to Christ-like maturity. What feels like death to us are the means that God uses to bring about our resurrection living. Remember, when we most want out, that's when God most wants in. Hear it again for yourself if you missed it. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Steadfastness, perseverance, must complete its work in us. It is the process that God uses to perfect us. But now James wants us to slow everything down. Because we do everything far too quickly. Our lives are out of proportion. Our reactions are disproportionate to our own dimensions. We are out of alignment with ourselves and out of order with others. See it with me, won't you? Chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Here it is, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And maybe, friends, just maybe, James says it like this because we do the opposite. We're slow to listen, but we're quick to speak and we're quick to lose our proverbial. Ancient Greek philosopher Epictetus said, Nature hath given men one tongue but two ears, that we may hear from others twice as much as we speak. But you'd think that most of us had two mouths and an ear that didn't work very well, wouldn't you? When it comes to the amount of listening that we actually do, we are, we are anatomically disproportionate like a really bad episode of embarrassing bodies, we speak so much more than we actually listen. God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But we're far too busy talking to listen to him. We speak more than we listen. We say more than we hear. We prize content over processing. High schools and universities have debating teams offering courses in rhetoric and persuasion. You can get a doctorate in speech communication. You can join clubs like Toastmasters, but there's no comparable degree or training that emphasises and encourages the art of listening. Today's image of power and success is being mic'd up, prowling around on stage and standing behind a podium. TED Talks and commencement speeches are considered to be living the dream. Can you hear how dangerous this is for the church and why some pastors can become overinflated narcissists? Social media has given everybody a platform, a virtual microphone to broadcast our every thought, uploading photos of your breakfast while screening out the opinions of others that you don't like. People find phone calls now to be intrusive preferring to text message rather than talk. We've become so lazy in listening to one another that we've resorted to using wordless emojis and memes. <laughs> It'd be funny if it wasn't true. 
If we're actually listening to anything at all, it's likely to be through a set of headphones or earbuds. Isolated and disconnected from everybody else. But listening is about the experience of being experienced. Listening is when someone takes an interest in who you are and what you do. More than any other activity in life, listening plugs you in to life itself. Listening helps you understand yourself as much as those that you're listening to. It's why from the time we were babies, we were highly alert to the voice of humans. Even before we were born, we listened. Attuned to nuance, to harmony and to discord. An unborn infant listens to life from inside of the womb, soothed by a friendly voice, startled by an angry outburst. Hearing is one of the last things that you lose before dying. Hunger and thirst are the first to go, then speech, then your vision. We retain our sense of touch and hearing right to the end. But the harsh truth here is this, friends. Your listening style reveals your lifestyle. If your life is saturated with busyness and hurry and distraction, then your listening will be scattered and rushed. Listening to genuinely understand one another can't merely be another checkbox item on your to-do list. Listening, really listening, requires attention, concentration and observational skills. Listening for understanding is slow. And a good listener always takes the long and scenic route, which is why most of us just don't do it. If I can make a quick judgment, dispense some fast advice, I can move on to the next thing I've got to do. But James knows that our anger at other people is more about us than it is about them. Our anger wants to change and control others. We want people to be conformed into our own likeness. Of course, there is such a thing as righteous anger, but usually that belongs more to God than it does to us. Our version of angry tends to be more about our own contempt, arrogance and self-protection. These are the things that we need to get rid of, says James, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I know it seems like it, but James isn't bouncing between topics here. All of these issues are bound up with just one issue, and that is how we listen to God's word. We put sin away by humbly accepting his word, verse 21. We're not going to change without the word of God at work in us. When we've learned to listen carefully to God, when we begin to live lives that please him, relationships that move towards other people in love, reflect God's movement towards us in Christ. But just listening to God's word isn't enough, is it? Is it? It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to listen to it. We can't simply stop We can't simply stop at reading our Bibles and listening to the odd sermon or the occasional podcast. Humble acceptance of his implanted word means real and practical application. God's word needs to be incarnate, his regenerative 
word of new creation now at work within us. Heavenly decrees need street-level application. The divine word must be embodied. The word within us must be lived out by us. Verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just look at verse 22 there. Amazingly, verse 22 doesn't require a lot of explanation, does it? Its meaning is pretty straightforward and plain enough, don't you think? Don't just hear the word, do what it says. Not a lot of exegesis required here, friends. The Greek is as clear as the English. A simple, plain, surface reading of the text is going to get you the main point being made here. Don't just hear it, do what it says. And yet somehow... Because we've been deceived, friends, because we tricked and managed to trick and fool ourselves and be deluded, that which is most obvious has become that which is most overlooked. And our tribe is the most gullible. We think it's all about hearing and telling as many people as possible. Don't be deceived, says James. Following Christ is shown by its actions. So instead of being the church, we're happily playing church on Sundays. We fight to protect our own traditions. We assert, maintain and defend our own preferences. We're deceived ourselves into thinking that all that is required for our sanctification is the use of our ears. And after so many years of listening to sermons and coming to church that magically one day I'll be transformed into being like Jesus. But when the church is reduced to only listening, it ceases to be about the adoration of God. When the church is simply a place where we learn more, we become bloated and passive consumers. When mission is simply everybody else needs to hear this, we have failed to live out the gospel that we proclaim. When we forget to act on what we've heard, when we're hearers and not doers of the word, James says we've deceived ourselves. And let me tell you, friends, churches are filled with forgetful people. Hearing and not doing sounds pretty silly, doesn't it? Almost unimaginable, rather pointless. The word within us must be lived out by us. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. It is a powerful illustration, isn't it? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Especially for our selfie generation, obsessed with aesthetics and cosmetics, we live our best life in front of our cameras, choreographing everything from our iPhones. 93 million selfies are taken each day and uploaded onto social media. 93 million. On average, a person takes more than 450 selfies a year. Just about every mirror in my car, the rear vision mirror, the side mirror, the passenger mirror, the vanity mirror, are used by my passengers to squeeze pimples and apply makeup. (laughs) It's not that we don't know what we look like. And gold coasters are obsessed with their appearance. But James provides us with a moment of self-reflection here. There is nothing more powerful 
than self-discovery. When people are told, what people are told, they reject and forget, but what people discover for themselves, they own. It's like James holds up a mirror for us and says, now take a good, long, hard look at yourself. Are you a forgetful hearer? Or are you an active doer? If all we do with God's word is listen to it, friends, our retention rate is at about 18 to 20%. Statistically, and that is even if you were here, you'll remember about 5%, 5% of last week's sermon. The worst moments of learning in Australia take place on Sunday mornings between 9 and 11 a.m. But as soon as we talk about it together, as we work out how to apply what we've heard in our lives, taking what we've heard and putting it into practice, our retention rate jumps from 20% to 80%. Let's be a church that works on these metrics rather than on weekly attendance and how much giving we, we give. That said, when we start putting God's words into action, some of these other metrics will take care of themselves. Let's not be hearers who forget. Let's be doers who act. Not forgetful hearers, but active doers, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he is blessed in his doing. The perfect law, the law of liberty, isn't the Old Testament law, friends. It is the gospel. It is the gospel that sets us free. Liberty sets us free from sin. The implanted word within us is the gospel word. We need to take action with this word by humbly accepting it with meekness. Perseverance isn't marked by good intentions. Perseverance brings about our completeness in Christ. Friends, when we persevere in the gospel, our steadfastness will be shown by its actions. The blessing isn't simply believing the gospel. The blessing comes in living the gospel out. Not just hearers of the word, but doers. Don't be deceived, says James. Insights without action are just good insights. It's action that moves our faith into real world application. And James says, here's how we apply the gospel. Look there with me, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unsustained from the world. Gospel application is fully sensory. Eyes, ears, mouth, heart, hands. Not just stimulation for the brain. It can't just all be talk. And when it comes to talk, we need to keep a rein on that as well. Let every person be slow to speak, says James, verse 19. Which isn't about talking slowly, but about watching what we say. Almost all of us struggle with our words, don't we? We gossip and we badmouth other people. Those words just seem to fall out of our mouth often voluntarily and without much enticement. We talk about other people behind their backs, spreading misinformation with no real purpose. 
And even if it's disguised as being said out of concern or worse still offered as a prayer point, our speech needs proper constraints. Our words can get in the way of true religion. Religion that's devoted to God which doesn't change us inwardly is worthless. But religion that accepts that God accepts as worthwhile, see it there, friends, as pure and undefiled, not only changes us inwardly in that we keep ourselves unstained by the world, but it also changes us outwardly in that we love the needy and the vulnerable. Faith is a verb, friends, and a verb is a doing word. So let's have the kind of faith that by its actions leaves other people speechless. A faith that exercises physical restraint and even emotional self-control. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. A faith that undeservingly opens the doors for others in such a profound and inexpressible way so that in the process everything is changed because we are undeceived doers of the word. A faith that can't be contained by words because it pushes the boundaries of language and understanding. Let's not just be hearers of the word. And let's not just be hearers of another sermon. Let's be doers of what we've heard. Let's do what it says. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment and think about what is one thing that you can do to become a better listener. Let's do this. What is one thing that you can do to become a better listener? How can you better listen to God? How can you better listen to others? Maybe something needs to change in your life for you to listen better. What specifically could you do to become a better listener? Take a moment and think about it. And then when you've got something written down, I want you to tell the person next to you what is one action that you'll commit to doing so that you can become a better listener. Let's do that.